0: Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. I mean, it's going through something really trialsome right now in your life. A struggle. Issue. I mean, it was the Holy Spirit. is our comforter. He's our helper. He's our ever-present help in time of trouble. And I know some of you, the, the devil has fought you all week and said, you don't even need to go to church. There's no use. Knows I mean, what I'm talking about. The enemy can speak into our ears, and he can say all kinds of stuff to get us all, get us off course, get us off our relationship with God. Because he realizes something: if we get off, if we're an island unto ourselves somewhere, he's got us right where he wants us. But when you come together, when you join together, you bind together with with believers in God's house and unite together, and the Spirit of God is flowing and moving. That's when maybe you don't receive all the answers at one time. But there's peace, there's joy, there's strength in the presence of the Lord. How I many knows what I'm talking about? There's an enduring spirit that can happen in the presence of God. You can feel it, you can sense it. Amen? How many is ready to endure some things to the end? Amen? No matter how difficult, no matter how trialsome, you're going to endure till the end. Remain standing for a few moments. Thank you, Pastor Sander and team. Wonderful job as always. We are going to uh, finish out. I, I didn't launch out for this to be a series, but it has been a series over the past several weeks. Actually, this will be uh, sermon number eleven on the book of Joshua that we have ministered from. We started uh, the first week in January, and the kind of the context of that message was claiming your cane. And so that has launched into a series that the Lord has um, has put upon my heart. Brother Chad, I'm going to switch, and we have. We have experienced some great uh, services, and God has moved tremendously. People have experienced freedom and joy and understanding what it looks like to claim our promise, that what God has for us. And the promise in our life is ultimately the place of, of peace and the place of rest. It can be a destination, uh, a, a literal destination, but it, it can be a spiritual destination that we are looking for. I want to achieve everything God has for me. Before I make my exodus, at whatever time that will be in my life, whenever I breathe my last breath, I want to be able to say that I did everything and fulfilled everything God placed upon my heart, and he put my life. So here we are in this, uh, let's look at the, the 23rd chapter of Joshua, and this will be the final sermon on this series, and I simply called this uh, message today The Conclusion, The conclusion. So we're going to look at uh, Joshua 23, and then we're going to read a few verses out of Joshua 24. We don't have time to read all the way through both of these chapters. So later on, maybe throughout the day or throughout the week even, go back and read both of these chapters, and you'll get the full just of it. We're going to have to kind of just launch into read the first eight verses of 23, and then we'll read a few verses out of 24, okay? How many is in Joshua 23? All right, let's read verse number one. And it came to pass. A long time after that the Lord had given rest unto Israel from all of their enemies round about that Joshua waxed old and stricken in age. And and I love the fact that right out of the starting gate, we've, we've seen this oftentimes throughout the chapters that we've read when it said it came to pass. Aren't you thankful that struggles in life don't come to stay? They come to pass. And this is where the people of Israel are at it came to pass, and they gave, they was given strength and rest from their enemies. Okay, verse number two, And Joshua called for all Israel and for all of the leaders, for for their heads and for their judges and for their officers, and said unto them, I am old and stricken in age. And ye have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto all these nations because of you, For the Lord your God is he that hath fought for you. That's powerful. Behold, I have divided unto you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes. From Judah, with all the nations that I have cut off, even unto the great sea westward. And the Lord your God, he he shall expel them from before you and drive them from your sight. And ye shall possess their land, and the Lord your God has promised unto you. Be ye therefore very courageous to keep all that you do that is written in the book of the law of Moses, that ye turn not aside therefore, or therefrom, to the right hand or to the left, that ye come not among these nations, these that remain among you, neither make mention of the name of of their gods, nor cause to swear by them, neither serve them, nor bow yourselves before them or unto them. But cleave unto the God, the Lord your God, and ye have done unto this this day. But cleave unto the Lord your God. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to cleave to him. you got to cleave to him. Now let's turn over to chapter number 24, and we're going to read a few verses here. We're not going to read all of it in totality, but we are looking at the people... They they are summoned here and and Joshua goes into in verse number 14 is where I want to start. 24 verse 14 talking about the fear of the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, the the Lord. Now therefore fear the Lord. That's what Joshua is commanding the people. Again, these are his final words that he's giving uh, the children of Israel. Fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods. Again, he's reminding them again. He mentioned this in 23. He's bringing it again to 24 as a reminder which your fathers served on the other side of the flood. And in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. Verse 15. And if it seem evil unto you, if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, oh, hallelujah, we will serve the Lord. These are some of the most powerful words that you will read in the book of Joshua. As for me and my house, he's letting them know. He's, he's creating a spirit of determination that asks for me, and a declaration that asks for me and my house we will serve the Lord. Say that with me. As for me and my house, we will serve. I know it doesn't look that way right now. I know it doesn't always look as as though your children are serving the Lord, as some of your descendants are serving the Lord, but I'm declaring today that as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's go down to verse number 29 as we look at Joshua's death and the burial, and then we'll close out. We will enter into this message today. So 24... Verse number 29. Again, here's the words and the phrase, it came to pass. After these things, that Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being 110 years old. And they buried him in the border of the inheritance, which is in Ephraim, north of the side of Gilgash. And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua. All the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua and which had all the works of the Lord that he hath done in Israel. And the bones of Joshua, or Joseph, which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, buried them in, in Shechem, in a parcel of ground which Jacob bought from the sons of Hamer, the sons of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of silver, and it came to the inheritance of the children of Joseph. And Eliezer, the son of Aaron, died. And they buried him in the hill that pertained to uh, Phinehas, the son which was given him in Mount Ephraim. Okay, we're finishing out. It closes out. And that's really the finality of the text. Okay, we're ready to launch into it. How many's ready for the word today? Look at your neighbor and say the conclusion. We are in the conclusion. Okay, let's bow our heads and pray today. Father... We just come before you today in the mighty name of Jesus. We're thankful today, Father, for the Spirit of God, for the presence of God that's on this place today. Lord, I, I, just, I, I just hide behind the wooden cross today. Lord, I just ask that, that something that I, would, that I would speak out of my mouth, the oration of my lips today, Father, would find a penetration and a lodging place in the hearts of your people today. As we follow the Spirit of God today, Lord, we believe that we will find fullness of joy and freedom in this house. We're declaring this house a house of freedom, a house of liberty today, a house that will not be bound by the things of this world nor the enemy of this world. And so, Lord, we pursue after you. We want all that you have for us, and we're going to hear the conclusion. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. You must increase and I must decrease. And everybody said amen and amen. You may be seated in God's presence. The conclusion. Look at your neighbor and say the conclusion as you're being seated today. The conclusion, the conclusion. Now, out of the starting gate, verse 1 of our text in chapter number 23 tells the story of Israel, tells where they are up until this point. Israel has acquired the land that God had promised them. How I mean, knows it was a promised land? It wasn't a mistake, it was a promise It wasn't something that they just happened upon. This was a promise that God had set aside for them. Can I tell you, the things that God has for you in your life are not just by happenstance. There's promises that God has out there for each and every one of us. So this promised land, they had had followed the Lord. They had a faithful leader by the name of Joshua. and We've read about him over the past several weeks. We've talked about Caleb and his tenacity and, and desiring the land last week and his plot, his portion. And all of us have a portion, all of us have a place and where God wants us and the blessings upon that. So now Joshua is old and he's preparing to die. he's preparing to make his exodus and before he leaves, however, he has something to tell the people about serving the Lord and so he calls two meetings in chapter number 23 he calls the meeting of the elders and the leaders of the people. He brings them forward and talks about the expectations of what not just he has but what God has for them and secondly, And recorded in chapter number 24, he brings all the people together of Israel and talks about the expectations of what God has for them moving forward. So as Joshua, the faithful leader, prepares to break camp, prepares to go forward and go on to his reward, he wants to encourage Israel to stay the course with God. And how many know sometimes we got to be encouraged to stay the course? we got to be encouraged to simply say, you know what? I know things have been bad. I know things have been rough. I know you've gone through a, a, a season of trials, but you can make this thing. You can go forward. You can take the mountain that God had. You can take the plot of land. So he encouraged him to stay the course with God. He knows that the old guard, that is those that, that knew himself and knew Moses, were swiftly dying off. That generation was kind of passing away. As you know, he knows that a new generation is coming along and and they had not seen all the miracles. They had not seen all the signs. They had not seen all the wonders that had taken place. And and before he dies, he wants to remind them of the God that they serve. I'm thankful that oftentimes I'm reminded of what he's done in my life. Have you ever just sat back in in a reflective moment and just remembered what God has brought you through? not where you are now, because sometimes where we are now in a bad situation can skew us to not understand where God's wanting to take us. So he's got to rewind the tape. I mean, remember some old VHS tapes when you had to hit the rewind button on that crazy thing and you go back and you you try to find that place where you was at. And sometimes God's got to take us back to a place where we went through something very trialsome to understand he did it before and he could do it again. Somebody say amen. So they showed him, they they were taking him back to a place in their mind to reflect upon the goodness of God. He was cluing them in on some things that God had brought them through in their life. So we live in a day, you understand, when many have forgotten about the glory of God. Many have forgotten about the glory of God. Many have forgotten about the power of God and the promises of God to those that, listen, to those that have known such things. They are becoming very few by the day. The promises of God. People are passing away. The elders of the churches are passing away. The people that have had real great experiences with God are passing away. They're becoming fewer by the day. So we need to be reminded of the goodness of God in our life. We need to talk about them often. They need to be upon our lips. Our, our children need to be exposed to the power of God. We need to be. They need to be exposed to the power of God. They need to be in the presence of God. I'm I'm a big advocate of this. Listen, I had a parent that uh, recently came to me, nobody in the church, somebody somebody you probably don't even know, that, that came to me and says, uh, you can't keep them from the things in the world forever. You can't keep your children, because I was talking about them, about being separate from the world and, and how we need to be on guard for our own children's lives, you understand. We need to be on guard for their spirit. And they said, you know what? We just can't keep them from the world forever. They're going to dabble in and they're going to get into things. Listen, I agree, but here's the thing. But you better give them a good steady dose of the people of God, the presence of God, and the power of God, To push back on the apostate in this generation. Listen, we can't just throw our children to the wolves and expect them to fend for themselves when they need to be equipped with the armor of God. We can't just say they'll figure it out. Because how many know sometimes they don't? Sometimes they go astray. Sometimes they got bigger voices in their life. And listen, I don't know about you, but not just standing on a platform with a microphone today, but I want to be the biggest voice in my children's life. They may not agree with me, but in, in, at some point, when there's a reflective moment, they will say, Dad was right, because the Bible's right. Somebody say, Amen. So we see here that Joshua is in a place of concern. Look at your neighbor and say, Concern. Number one point, Joshua's concern. What was his concern, Pastor? His concern was drifting. Drifting. How many he's ever been on a boat that the motor went dead or... You just kind of turned it off for a little bit, and you was going to do some fishing out in the ocean or out in the lake somewhere, and all of a sudden the wind starts to kick up a little bit, and you start to drift and sometimes you don't always drift in the direction you want to go and here's we are Joshua's concern with the children of Israel is drifting, okay, so as Joshua nears the time of his departure, he sees some things beginning to happen in the lives of the people of Israel. He sees things that he does not like. He has some concerns. Anybody have some concerns today? So so like like any good leader, he feels the duty to point out the things that the people, that they're doing. So he's given some famous last words. And number one, he fears this. He fears complacency amongst the people. You know, the old saying, when the cat's away, the mice will play. How many parents know what I'm talking about? He realized something that he was getting ready to make his exodus. He had served the Lord all the days of his life. 110 years old, and now he's getting ready to make it. But he understood something. When he's away, what will they do when I leave? Because when Moses went on the mountaintop, when he came down, they had built a golden calf. They had drifted in a very short period of time. He's reflecting upon these things, undoubtedly, though it's not mentioned in the text. I'm not trying to Jesus to the text, but I'm simply saying that he's, he's remembering and he's got some concerns about their drifting. Can I tell you today, I'm concerned with a drifting generation. I'm, con- I'm concerned today about a generation that's drifting closer and closer to the world. So he gives these last words. His fear is complacency. Look at your neighbor and say complacency. So Joshua was afraid that the people of Israel might begin to take the law of God for granted. He fears that they may become complacent in their walk with the Lord and begin to let things slide in their lives. You know, like, I know that was just mom and dad talking. That was just the old time. That was the old church, Sister Nellie. That was the old. We don't have to live in a place of holiness. We don't have to live in a place of righteousness. That's kind of an old message. That's out of date. We don't need that anymore. How many knows holiness without which the Bible said no man will see the Lord. Holiness is still in place today. So he fears that they might become complacent in their walk with the Lord. And sadly, he was right because they did exactly what he's talking about. We're not going to get into this. We may not even over the next several weeks, but The point to be clear is, is that they eventually went into 70 years of Babylonian captivity. So Joshua is trying to head off some things in their lives. To head off some tragedies that are ahead of him. You understand that, that the prophet of God, the pastor, can often see what is on the horizon that can become a snare for God's people. There's a warning sign, there's a clarion call that takes place. They can identify the storm that is coming, and it's up to us to respond accordingly to the spiritual meteorologists that are in our lives. People that speak truth in love. People that tell us the hard stuff that we don't... Aren't you thankful today that you've got some people in your life that will speak truth to you in love? Anybody can tell you what you want to hear, but it takes somebody to go against the grain to talk about what the Lord is saying, Even the difficult things of life. You need some people that are contesting some of the areas of your life that you were deficient in. Some areas of struggle. The areas of of people drifting and we would call it backsliding in our generation. People falling away from the Lord. You need somebody to rise up and say, I've noticed some stuff in your life lately i noticed some drifting in your life, and that doesn't have to be with a trumpet. That doesn't have to be in a place of embarrassment. That doesn't have to be amongst a big crowd of people. Oftentimes, I would say this needs to be something you take them alone and say, listen, is there something I can pray with you about? Is there some areas of your life that you're struggling with right now? And I don't need to know all the logistics, but I'm just kind of noticing some things. I'm concerned with some things. And here is, we find Joshua, he's in a place where he is concerned and he's fearful about their complacency. Look at your neighbor and say complacency. It is my conviction that the the sin of complacency is one of the most common sins there is amongst the people of God. Complacency, getting relaxed, comfortable where you are, getting too comfortable in your walk with God. You've got to continually keep the fire burning. You've got to continually keep that fire burning. How many knows what I'm talking about? How I many has a fireplace? Yeah. You, if you stop supplying the fireplace with wood, what happens? The fire goes out. We've got to keep stoking this fire that's in our life. How do we do that, Pastor? We do that through the Word of God. We do that through prayer. We do it through devotion. We do that through coming together with God's people. We've got to keep the fire continually burning in our life. Somebody say amen. You've got to keep this fire burning. So we have allowed ourselves, listen, in many cases we have allowed ourselves in the churches of God today to adopt a Laodicean attitude. You can read about it in Revelation chapter number 3 verses 14 through 22. We talked about this a few weeks ago in last Friday. We have allowed ourselves to be satisfied with our spiritual condition and as a result we are allowing things to go unchallenged in our lives that are leading us away from God and leading us sometimes deeper into sin. Okay, to understand what John is referring to here in the book of the Revelation, chapter number three, okay, the water source, the Laodicean church, okay, the Laodicean church was as such. They had a cold water stream that would flow in to the Laodicean area. It would come down off the mountaintops of Colossae, okay? And then you had to, you had this cold water stream that would come into the city. Then you had this hot water stream that would come in from the opposite side from another source. So by the time each of these waters reached Laodicea, here's the thing, they were lukewarm. And that was what God, what Jesus had had pinpointed this church and said, you were a lukewarm church. And because you're lukewarm, I've got to spew you out of, of, of my mouth. So this was the idea that They had a hot water source that came in, a cold water source that came in, and they met together, and it was lukewarm. So this is a literal picture. You understand? And if we are not careful, just like the water source, we can neither be refreshing like a cold drink of water nor stimulating like a hot bath. We are lukewarm and good for nothing, but listen, but to trigger a gag reflex in those that are acquainted with us. Because you're not cold, because you're not hot, because you have not made up your mind, I've got to spew you out of my mouth. And Jesus said, I wish you were cold. I wish you would do these things. And I wish you would just simply come to a conclusion. But because you have not, I've got to spew you out of my mouth. Listen, spewing gives the idea of rejection. You can't see that any other way. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that when Jesus uses those language, he's talking about rejection. Listen, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be rejected by God. I want my life to stay kindled up. I want my life to be on track with God. I want to stay fired up. Listen, we got to stay on fire for God in our generation. And, and you, listen, your drive is dependent upon your devotion, which will result in your destination. Your drive. What, what what makes you go every day? Well, I I Pastor, I gotta work and I've got things I've got to do. I've got school, I've got I've got different aspects of my life. Listen, no, seek ye first the kingdom. If if you have a kingdom mindset, I want you to understand. Last year I preached a lot on the kingdom, and I'm gonna hit that again this year, but I want us to understand we are we are not Jews nor Gentiles, Greeks, we're not black, white, red, whatever the case. We are a part of another kingdom. I said we're a part of another kingdom. And listen, we've got to be dependent upon our king if we are a part of another kingdom. So your drive is dependent upon your devotion, which will result in your destination, where you ultimately are headed. So the, and then he talks about, and then he's concerned with, he fears compromise. Or as one pastor, one, uh, my former pastor would call, compromise. 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 Another fear Joshua possesses is that the people of Israel decide to follow the dead gods of Canaan. Why is he concerned about that? Because that's what they were prone to do. They would worship Baal and Astrog and all of the other foreign gods they would they idolatry was very well and very prominent in that generation and it was very well in the hearts of the people and and if they hadn't extracted it out he was worried about it coming to the surface again can i tell you if you don't extract some things through the power of the holy ghost out of your heart it's but a matter of time before it comes back to the surface for you again if you don't eliminate the things in your life that you know are displeasing to god they will ultimately take root again and they will start to move forward and you will be displeasing unto the Lord. So he understood something, that idolatry was very well in the hearts of the people. Listen, who are not, who were not wholly committed to the Lord. Now we talked about that last week, holy, W-H-O-L-L-Y. They had not given themselves wholly unto the Lord, so God could not set them apart as holy, H-O-L-Y, unto him. He fears that they will compromise their standards and they will bow down to the idol's. Of their day. And again, it is as if he could see into the future. It was as if he could see this on the horizon. How many knows what I'm talking about? When you have seen, maybe, maybe it's been your children, maybe it's been something in the workplace. You could kind of see something that was going to happen before it happened. You could see the tragedy on the horizon. You could see what was going to take place. And what he was afraid of would happen, did happen. It happened 70 years in Babylonian captivity, where they were taken. As slaves again so he was he was a voice of reason in their life don't despise the voices of reason. even though they can be difficult at times don't despise them. listen i want you to understand be thankful for people that are on guard for your soul be thankful for the people that speak the hard stuff in your life everybody can go with the crowd have you ever been around a group of people and they say things like, they just start agreeing with everything you said. Agreeable people. And that's good when things are agreeable. But there's certain times when not everything needs to be agreeable. And so we need to we need to thank God for the people that come into our lives that help to guard our very soul. Amen? We, we need to be on guard. So we got to be careful and to avoid the trap of compromise. Avoid the trap. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, verse number 22 says, Abstain from all appearance of evil. Abstain from it. Abstain from all appearance of evil. Don't even get near it. Don't play with it. Don't tinker with it. Don't hang out with it. Listen, Jesus hung out with sinners, but he did not follow them to their sin. He did not go to the miry places. He didn't hang out in the bars. He wasn't out doing various things. He wasn't out doing drugs with you. He wasn't out giving himself in certain ways. Listen, you've got to be careful to avoid and abstain all appearance of evil. And number, I want to say this too, he, he fears commitment. He fears commitment because he understands something. These people were very much on the fringe of what they believed and why they believed it. One minute they might be committed to God and the next minute they were committed to something else. Listen, we've got to have a true, undefiled commitment in our life. He feared that the people would not come to a true place of commitment. Commitment. Commitment unto the Lord. It. it, it, it's it's He fears this commitment. He fears them not moving forward. He fears that their commitment will become cold and that they will not cleave to the Lord as they should. And once again, we see the history and the nation of Israel that Joshua was right to be concerned about this because they were not committed after he passed. And sometimes we can say things like, you know what, they're just a Debbie Downer. They, they just don't like what they, they just they don't get with the, the process. They don't really believe in me. They're not really encouraging me. Listen, not everything can be an encouragement. There are sometimes you've got to go head on with the thing. There's sometimes you've got to combat something really tough, really difficult. You've got to let people and try to get people not in a combative. Not, I'm not talking about getting into a fight and argument and, and, and taking it to the streets or nothing like that. I'm talking about. Sometimes you've got to contest things and it's not always easy. They were prone to drifting. Look at your neighbor and say drifting. And here's the thing about our Lord. We know our allegiance cannot be divided. That we are the bride and he is the husband. We talked about that a few weeks weeks ago about none of us as as brides in this building or, or, or grooms in this building, husbands in this building, wives in this building, none of us would tolerate an open relationship. And if you do, we're going to come down and lay some oil on you. Nobody wants an open relationship and God does not desire open relationships. And Joshua was telling the people, stay away from the false idols. Stay away from the miry places. Stay away. He fears their commitment unto the Lord. So, let's look at the Lord's idea of commitment. What is the Lord's idea of commitment? Pat, What does that look like? What is it? it? Matthew chapter number 10, verse number 38, tells us, he that loveth, listen to this form of commitment, okay? Because sometimes I think we just think commitment's open-ended. He that loveth father and mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. Do you see what the Lord is saying there? He's telling us very clearly that if he is not number one in our hearts and in our lives, then we are not worthy of him. God, listen, God doesn't play side chick or second fiddle. God does not play the role of the backup. God does not play the role of, if you, if you just need something, come to me. God doesn't play the role of the sugar daddy. God does not play them role. He wants to be numero uno. And according to Jesus, the ultimate expression of love for him is the willingness to bear one's cross. To take up your cross and follow him. We can take up a lot of things. We can take up a lot of movements. But I'm telling you, in the kingdom of God, we need to start taking up our crosses and following him. We need to die the self on an altar and say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to give you my life, not just a little bit, but all of it, and I'm going to commit myself unto your ways. Taking our cross and following him, this simply means that you're willing to make a total commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ that you're not willing to hold any back. He, Listen, you are his and his alone completely till death do us part. How would you describe your commitment to God today? I I don't need a show of hands. I don't even need you to verbalize some things. I want you to just reflect upon this. How would you describe your commitment with God this morning? How would you describe that? Listen, I I, I don't know about anyone that's ever, I don't know and have never known of anyone that's ever been worried about giving too much time time and attention to the Lord that came up disappointed. Have you ever known somebody that on their time of death, their deathbed, you visited them, they said, you know what, I wish I wouldn't have showed up to church so many times. I wish I wouldn't have sang praises unto the Lord. I wish somebody wouldn't have came and laid hands on me like, I wish I wouldn't have committed my life unto God. I wish I wouldn't have, done, I wish I wouldn't have kept my family in church. I wish I wouldn't have kept people, I wish I wouldn't have kept and stayed on the straight and narrow. No, you don't see that. But you often hear a lot of times, I wish I could go back in. I wish I could go back and change some things. I wish I could go back and give more unto the Lord. I wish I could go back and give. If I would have known I only had this much time, I would have given more unto God. And that's what you hear. So listen, I don't know about you, but I don't know anybody that's ever been disappointed about the time and the attention that they gave toward the Lord. What I have found, though, is that people will sit back and they reflect and they'll say, you know what? I wish I would have gave him more more of my life, more of him, and less of me. Joshua's concerns we see, number one. And then number two, we see Joshua's challenges. How many know that there's always a challenge that we have to go through? Challenges are part of the race that we have in this Christian walk. So we see this in, 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 in chapter number 23, verses 9 through 16. And again, I would like for you to read that this next week in totality, if you would read it all the way through, through, Uh, Chapter number 24, we see we see the challenges that Joshua had. Joshua's challenge to the elders and the people to observe certain truths concerning God. His challenge is for them to look at what the Lord has done and is doing in their life. If they were to consider the Lord at all, he has done for them. Listen, they will live in a place of righteousness if they can just remember what he has done. That will keep you in a right place of thinking remembering what the Lord has done. It will keep you on track. It will keep you in a place of righteousness. And listen, he wants them to also, in this challenge, Joshua's challenge, he wants them also to consider God's wrath. He wants them to consider God's wrath. And we don't talk a lot about the wrath of God, do we? We don't talk a lot about, we don't talk a lot about hell. We don't talk a lot about falling away. We don't talk a lot about this. But Joshua wants them to consider the wrath of God. While there are many challenges given here, the primary idea that Joshua was trying to convey is this. If you will serve the Lord, he will bless you. How many knows that to be the case? If you disobey him, he will chastise you. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son and daughter which is his. Listen, you don't go around, I don't know about you, but I've been in Walmart before and I've seen kids acting out and I've thought, I could probably help this mother. Has anybody ever thought that you could be of assistance to some children? But I don't go around chastening other people's kids. The Lord chastens those who are his. He chastens us. Why? Because he loves us. And I know sometimes if you talk to my children today, you'd probably say, dad's a little bit hard on me. He's a little bit. Why? Because whom the Lord loves, whom the father loves, will chasten his children. He will keep them on track. And that's what God is doing for the children of Israel. And he's trying to give a mouthpiece, even in his final hours of his life, of Joshua, to minister to the people, to let them know, listen, if you stay on track, God's going to bless you. But if you get off course, God's going to chasten you. Revelation chapter number two, verses one through seven. The church at Ephesus had many commendable traits, but they lacked deep, abiding love for Jesus. They lacked an abiding love for our Lord. We can say what we want to say, but here's the thing. But our life proves the level of our love for Him. Our life proves it. Our life shows it. The level of love that we have for Jesus. So we can can say what we want to say, but our life proves it. You can give time and attention to what you wish. But listen, I give time and attention to what I love. Amen? I give time and attention to whom I love. The prophet Hosea, you remember the prophet in the Old Testament. This prophet was was asked to do a, a thing that would probably be most impossible with any other person. The prophet of God was asked, Hosea the prophet was asked by the Lord to take on a prostitute for a wife. How many men in the building would say that would be a tough task to take on a prostitute for a wife? What was God doing? Was God really trying to punish the prophet of God? Was God really trying to to just cause his life to be a mess and Wondering where his wife was every weeking hour, what she was doing, where she was running around, who she was running around with. No, what God was doing to the prophet, because you understand that a prophet had to have the heart of God in order to articulate it to the people of God. So he wanted Hosea to feel what he felt when God's people walked away from him. And left him and went out and served the false idols. Went out and spent time with other other idols and, and worshipped them. He was wanting to show Hosea, listen, the same way you feel about your wife running around on me is the same way I feel when my people, my children run around on me with these false idols. And so he had this, this, this prophet articulate, not just in word, but through feeling. The heart of that man was broken. And in order to be a true prophet of God, in order to be a true true pastor of God, a preacher or evangelist or whoever, you've got to have the heart of the Lord. You've got to be concerned for his people. You've got to be concerned for drifting. So the the prophet, he articulated the heart of God. But then we see he he needed to, Joshua needed to consider God's works. He wanted the people to understand God's going to work some things out in your life. Joshua reminds the nation of all the many great things the Lord has done for them. His challenge for them is to remember all the works that the Lord did on their behalf. He wanted them to remember the goodness and that they were and, and when they remember the goodness, they would be more likely to be faithful unto him. If all you have is bad memories about a thing, about a person, you may not want to continue in that relationship. But I don't know about you, but I remember a God who pulled me out of the miry clay and set my feet upon a rock. I remember a God who took me out of grotesque sin and and set my feet upon a place where I was going to serve him and love. He brought me to a position in my heart and in my status where he was number one and everything else was down below. He brought me to a place where I remember His goodness. And I've got to reflect upon it often because life is not always peaches and cream. Life is not always good. But listen, when life isn't good, God still is. When circumstances are not good, God still is good. His goodness is still for His goodness and His mercy is renewed every single morning. And I want to be faithful to my King because He's been faithful to me. How many knows what I'm talking about? So the works of the Lord on our behalf are a great, great motivator for our service. When we, think, when we stop to think about what he's done and all the challenges that he has brought us through, it brings us into a deeper relationship. Listen, I can tell you sometimes, and the husband and wife would say this probably after the service, and they would say this maybe uh, as a testimony. You know what? We went through some hard times, but it made our relationship better. We went through some tough roads together. We walked this thing. We took hands together. We said, with God's help, we're going to get through it. And you did. And you're here as a result today. Life is not always easy. But the deeper you walk with a trialsome and tribulationsome issue in your life, that relationship grows stronger. Then we see we need to consider God's will. Consider God's will. Joshua tells the people that it's the Lord's will For them to clean up their lives and to walk and to serve Him faithfully. That's always God's will. So if somebody ever asks you at some point in your life, which they probably will, how do you know what the the will of God is? Say, the will of God is for you to walk faithfully before the Lord. See, we want to hear something like, you're going to pastor someday. You're going to be an evangelist. You're going to go to Africa. You're going to, you're, going to go to, you're going to go somewhere overseas and you're going to minister in some sort of capacity. We want to hear some big grandiose thing. But listen, what we need to hear is we just need to simply stay faithful unto the Lord. That's the call of God upon your life. And if you stay faithful, then everything else will work itself out. Faithfulness is a part of the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, kindness, gentleness, meekness. Faithfulness is what we need to focus on. So he makes the statement that he and his family will do just that. Look at verse number 15. This is one of my favorite verses in chapter number 24. It says, and it's, if it seems good and if it seems evil to you, if it seems evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. That is. Is something that should reign and reside on the doorpost of our heart. That it is whom we serve. He's telling the people, as for me. It's a declaratory statement that he's saying, I can't speak for you. I can't speak for your house. All I can say, as for me and my house. We will serve the Lord. And that's what we have to have. So he makes this statement, and the people respond by expressing their desire to serve God because of His greatness and because of His blessing. Now, we know it doesn't last long. But I want to challenge us today by reminding us that talking about serving the Lord is not just good preaching material. It is the will of God for our life. He wants you to search your life and to destroy anything in it that hinders your walk with Him. He wants you to, clean, to be clean and to make that commitment to serve Him and Him only. Notice Joshua's attitude toward this situation. He tells them what they should be doing. Then he tells them that regardless of what they do, I'm going to serve God. And you know what? I would bet you there's some people in your life right now, and we don't need to do this in a nasty way, but there's some people in your life right now that you need to let them know and remind them that you serve the Lord. And that regardless of what they do, you're going to serve God. You've got to have that declaratory statement for yourself, but that's what you need to remind some people in your life because you keep drifting because you keep hanging out with the wrong people. You keep being cast by every wind of doctrine, carried off away, doing different things, and your mindset becomes skewed. And listen, you've got to come up with a statement, and you've got to say, like Joshua, regardless of what you do, I'm going to serve the Lord. The sad fact of the matter is that not everyone is going to serve the Lord in total commitment. Some will not understand your level of commitment to the Lord. Have you ever had somebody say that to you? Why do you go to church all the time? Is yeah. that yeah, right? Why? And, and 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 you know sometimes I got to be very careful because your pastor needs prayer too. I thought about asking him why do you go to the boat all the time, but I don't say that. Why are you at the Chiefs game every time? It's the the the, the stadium's open. Why are you at Walmart all the time? (laughs) You're meddling, Pastor. No, I'm saying sometimes people don't understand true commitment to your God. They won't understand why you can't miss a Sunday because that is your pick-me-up for the week. That is your fuel to get through Monday through Saturday, and you've got to be amongst God's people. And if you don't get here, I don't know what I'm capable of doing if I don't make it to church. How many knows what I'm talking about? Am I talking to some saved people, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost people today that understand the words that are coming out of my mouth that if I don't come to church, I don't know what's going to happen. I've got to get to the house of God amongst the people of God to allow the presence of God to enter into my life so I can take it out into a world that's crazy. And they're going to try to get you off path in some sort of way. So I've got to be in God's house so I'm tolerable to society. Praise the Lord. We need to go home and we need to call some people and tell them after service today, you need to be in God's house. You got a bad attitude? Come to church. You struggling in your spirit? Come to church. Your life's falling apart? Come to church. Get in God's house. See, it's become optional, and even with COVID and all that other stuff that came about, people have thought to themselves, you know what, I can't come. Pastor, I'm just fearful to come to the house of God. I'm going to leave that alone. i got another message for that later. So we see here Joshua's concern. Look at your neighbor and say his concern. We see Joshua's challenge. Look at your neighbor and say it's a challenge. Then we see Joshua's covenant. You see how I like to rhyme things. Hopefully that keeps you attentive on the services. God gives these things to us. We see Joshua's covenant, his covenant. And in verses 25 through 28, it involved a great stone, okay? Before Joshua dies, he erects a stone as a monument to the fact that the people have sworn to follow the Lord. It's a reminder For them to follow. And thereafter whenever they would pass by this place. They would remember the oath. In in certain times of their life. That they, they were pleasing unto God. At this moment it was a reminder. To them. Now we don't erect stones and markers. We don't memorialize things. I tell you oftentimes in my mind. I reflect a lot upon the things of God. And I know you do as well. I reflect a lot upon the promises of God. We don't erect stones. We don't erect markers and to memorialize the oath of the Lord. But every now and then, we need to remind ourselves and, and others around us of our commitment to the chief cornerstone. We need to remind people of our promise. We need to remind him of our commitment to our chief cornerstone. We need to remind him of those. Listen, I don't know about you, but he's my redeemer. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Did He redeem you out of something? Did He redeem you out of of the pits of hell? He is my Lord of peace. Anybody need peace today? Anybody need the peace of God that passes understanding? He is my wonderful counselor. He is my healer. He is my restorer. He is the Lord who provides. He's my strength. He's my refuge in the midst of the storm. He is the Lord who heals. He is the God who comforts. He is my stronghold. He is my hiding place, resting place, eternal life, deliverer, friend, everlasting life. He is my husband. He is the living water to my soul. He is hope. He is my shield, my love, my helper, my mediator. He is my bread of life. He is my strong tower, my everlasting father. He's my advocate, my shelter. He's my rock. He's my salvation. Listen, he's my everything. He is my everything. He is, listen, my highlight reel of my life is all about Him and what He's done. My highlight, you know the reels that you see? And all these things, you know, people put all this kind of... My highlight reel is all about God. Not about, most of those reels are about nonsense. My highlight reel is all about what He has done for me, listen. The metaphorical markers and memorials are all about him in my life. So, it involves some some gravestones. The book closes with three funerals. These funerals speak of us today. Number one, the gravestone of faithfulness. Faithfulness. The gravestone that is mentioned. Is that of Joshua himself, the, the, the stone of faithfulness? That's what his life spoke of. Listen, I I I, I got some ideas of what I would like possibly spoken at my funeral. But I want it to be said of my life that I've been faithful. Listen, I don't need on my tombstone pastor, I don't need on their reverend, I don't need on their preacher, I don't need on their anything. I just want something regarding that my I was faithful unto him to the end. So they erected this, this gravestone of faithfulness for Joshua himself. His tombstone stood about the faithfulness of God to his people and what that looked like. So it wasn't just with Joshua. It was with the people of God. His life was one of faith. God had used this man Joshua to bring the people into the promised land. And God had used Joshua to lead his people in the right way. And through the life of Joshua, God had proven himself to be a faithful God. Can anybody relate today? Listen, there are, are, are those that are that are following, hear me, there are those that are following your faithfulness to your God. There are people that are watching your faithfulness to God. So as you walk it out, they will walk it out. As you go through some trials, some situations, they will go through some trials, some situations. As you serve Him, they will serve him. If you decide to drift, they will decide to drift. You say, Pastor, I don't know about that. Give me some context to this. Listen, if you stay the course, they will stay the course. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. He realized his life was one of leading. Every single one of us, our lives as a Christian, we are leading in some capacity or another. His life was a living testimony of what God had done. He lived it out on a day-to-day basis. His life was saying something. What is our life saying today? Is it one of faithfulness? And then we see this other tombstone, the gravestone of fulfillment. The second gravestone mentioned belonged to a man who had died many centuries before in the land of Egypt. You remember Joseph Joseph was on his deathbed, and he made the following prediction. He declared this amongst God's people in Genesis chapter number 50, verses 24 through 26. And I'm going to be landing the plane here in just a moment. And Joshua, and excuse me, and Joseph said unto his brother, and he's speaking to God's people. He's saying, I die, and God will surely visit you. Wouldn't you love to hear that? I'm going to die I may have been the voice in your life that you have looked to. How many's got that person that you can call when you're struggling? And how many knows what it's like when you've lost somebody that's been that voice in your life? All of us got those people, whether they be our parents, whether it be a minister, whether it be somebody in our life. And he's saying, listen, I, I, I know that you're going through some things. I know that you've dealt with some stuff. And Joshua said unto his brother, I die and God will surely visit you and bring you out of the land unto the land which being sworn by God. To Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones from henceforth. So Joseph died being 110 years of age. Who else died at 110? Joshua. Two men. Lived the same amount of years, had a tremendous Walk with God. were faithful to the Lord. So Joshua died being 110 years old. And they embalmed him. And he was put in a coffin in Egypt. Now, several hundred years later, a grave is dug. A coffin is lowered. And the body is placed into the ground that was promised 100 years before. Listen, stand upon God's promises. What did we say a few weeks ago? His promises are yea and amen. He's going to put a stamp of approval. It's a sign sealed and delivered. If God said it, you can believe it. And it's going to take place. And all of a sudden, a couple hundred years later, it's coming to pass. And now they are digging this grave and they're getting uh, his bones ready, Joseph's bones ready. And it's almost like you could hear from, because sometimes people struggle with faith. Will it really happen? Could it really take place? And I can almost hear Joseph from the grave saying, I told you so. Not in a negative connotation, not in a derogatory fashion, but just something to remind the people of God, I told you so, God will do it. I told you so, God will take you through it. I told you so, God's going to take you through that thing. His promises are yay and amen. So I can hear him say that the promise of the land is now here occupy this land. The promise of the land is yours. Take it. Now, let me have some peace and rest and go to sleep. (laughs) So the lesson here is that we serve a God who is able to make that which seems impossible a reality to his children. When he makes a promise to us to use and bless you if, if you will serve him, then you can count on him being able to do that very thing that he promised. Then we see another thing here. We see the gravestone of fulfillment, and then finally we see the gravestone of finality. He's bringing this thing to a close, or as I would say, to a landing strip. He's closing out his words to the people. The last gravestone marks the grave of Eleazar. Who was Eleazar? He was the son of Aaron, who was the first high priest that we know about in the Old Testament. His grave is the grave of finality. The death of Eleazar marks the changing of the guard in Israel. I mean those were experiencing in this nation a changing of generation. A changing of the guard. And that's why his, his voice was so important. That's why there was, there was so, I can, I can almost bet you there was a lot of passion in his voice. Continue serving the Lord. Choose this day whom you will serve. So we see here, this grave, this grave of finality, this grave is a grave of, uh, for uh, Eleazar. It marks the changing of the guard. You're seeing the old timers, they're passing away. They're, they're gone away. This is a reflective moment that Joshua is having right here with the people. All those who came out of Egypt and out of the wilderness have passed from the scene; They're no longer. They've died off. All those God used in such a mighty fashion are now dead. Now it is time for a new generation to pick up the mantle of service and do something for the Lord. And I don't tell you something. I don't know about you, but that really causes a fire to, to, to come alive inside of me to realize that there is a generation that is passing away. But there's another generation that has to take the mantle and move this gospel of Jesus Christ forward to a lost and dying world to continue to remind people that, listen, God is a God of covenant. God is a God who will answer your your situation. God is a God who will show up. And so there was a generation that he was begging to pick up the mantle of God and continue to move this thing forward for the Lord. We have a lot of of soldiers, if you will, that have gone on to the reward and they've they've gone on and to be with Jesus. But it is an even greater shame when those who are left behind, hear me, do not lift the mantle and carry on for the Lord. I remember one of the things my mother was telling me she passed in 2015, and it was a very rough time because Tara's mother had just passed in 14. We were dealing with a lot of struggles. We had ministry. We we, we was in uh, youth office at that time. We, we had a lot of struggles that was going on, just in our life. A lot of sickness was happening in our family. But I remember something. She said she never mentioned anything about me going on and pastoring a church. She never mentioned me going on as a youth director. She never mentioned me any of that kind of stuff. She just said, go on, serving." them. And sometimes, beloved, you got to remember a voice in a tough time of your life. Listen, I'm not talking about summonsing the dead. Let me be honest and be, be real here. We're not talking about summonsing demons or anything like that. We're talking about remembering and reflecting upon some times that were tough. And somebody spoke some wisdom and said, listen, pick up and keep going on. Be faithful to the call of God upon your life. Be faithful, and and listen, you might be that voice for somebody else. You might be that voice for somebody else to pick up the man. And regardless of what anyone does, we must make a commitment to the Lord. The shame of the story is this, and I'm coming to a landing strip here. Israel turned to the idols after the death of their great leaders. That is the travesty. They served God for a period of time, but then they left off. You know what syndrome they had? How many remembers that old uh, Sister Nellie Frank Sinatra song, I Did It My Way? Beautiful song, terrible theology. They wanted to do it their way. They said, you know what, Joshua, you had a way that seemed right unto you, but I don't know if that will work for me, and I don't know if that will work for my generation. Can I tell you, God surpasses all generational nonsense. You know, everybody says things like, oh, well, my generation. They didn't understand. They didn't deal with what I've dealt with. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. When you read the book of the Revelation, when you read stuff that went on in the book of the Genesis, listen, I'm going to tell you something. We have been through some hellish times in this world. And people have continued to serve the Lord. I don't want to sing I did it my way. I want to sing I did it His way. His ways are not my ways. His thoughts are not my thoughts. I've got to be on track with Him. So the question today is who are you following? Simple statement. Simple question. Who are you following? Who is it That you are serving today. Who is it that has your attention? Who is it today that has your affection? You say, well, you don't know. I've got some friends. And I'm going to tell you something. When I was in in high school, I'm getting ready to come up on 30 years of graduation. I know I still look 29. (laughs) But it's been roughly 30 years coming up and though I love all the people I graduated with, I don't hate anybody in this life, I'm going to tell you something. I'm probably talking to a handful of those jokers in those 30 years. What are you saying? They will walk out on you so fast. Sometimes it's just life takes you in different directions. I get that. I understand that. College, career, family, whatever the case. I understand that, but I serve a God who's faithful. That will walk with you to the ends of the earth. So the question is, who are you following? I'm going to leave you with this. Pastor Sander. would you come today, please? I'm going to leave you with this. Look at your neighbor and say, who are you following? And if you want to, if you just want to sit there as a counselor for a moment, just sit and wait for their answer. Who are you? You following. Say that with me again. Who are you following? Who are you following? I I was I, I was remembering and reflecting upon something. Have you ever heard the term Judas Goat? Judas Goat? Okay. A Judas goat is trained. To blend in for the purpose of deception. A Judas goat. It's named after, obviously, Judas Iscariot, which the Bible always puts in place following his name, who also betrayed him. Always is attached to his name, Judas Iscariot, which also betrayed him. The goat, you understand this Judas goat, is trained to mix in with the other goats and to lead them around. They will lead them into pens. They will lead them, and this this Judas goat will lead them into pens, these, these other goats, and lead them onto trucks where they are taken to be slaughtered or taken and put into captivity. And once they arrived at their destination point, the Judas goat will jump out while everyone else gets trapped. He infiltrates the camp. He looks just like them, smells just like them, talks just like them, meas or whatever, just like them. Does all the activities just like they did. But at the very last moment, that Judas goat will jump out of wherever, the pen, the back of the vehicle to get away from the situation. And here's what I want to say. It's amazing what you will do, what you will do if someone else is doing it. like sheep led to a slaughter. we got to be careful. The Bible tells us to come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing. we got to be careful not to follow everything, everyone, everywhere, at all times. we got to be careful. Listen, I don't know about you, I'm not into country songs, but you've got to stand for something or you'll fall for anything. You've got to stand in this hour. You've got to stand and be set and make a commitment unto God. And so Joshua's clarion call, you can stand to your feet today. Joshua's clarion call to the generation was, fulfill the commitment that you have made unto your Lord, unto your God. And I don't know about you today, but I want to fulfill my commitment. Nothing hurts my heart any more than promising somebody. Oftentimes my schedule can be very crazy and, and I will commit to something. Oh, yeah, we can do that. Oh, yeah, I'll see you there. And then Tara will be like, "Uh, oh, babe, you forgot. Your calendar is kind of... It, it, doesn't it hurt your heart that you have to break a commitment? It should never be a comfortable thing to break commitment. It would be better, the Bible says, not to make a commitment to then break it, than, to, than just simply not make one at all. It would be better to not say, hey, I'm going to do a thing. It would be better for you to just kind of sit on the sidelines and I don't know about you today, but I, I just feel like God is, is is wanting us to renew our commitment unto the Lord. He's wanting us to renew that commitment that we have towards Him today. And I want to start this in the next few weeks, and I don't know, I'll give you a heads up So just be thinking about this. I, I, I'm going to start, we did this 21 days of fast at the beginning of the year, and I don't know about you, but I experienced and we experienced as a church some tremendous breakthrough. Some strongholds were broken. When lives were changed. Bodies were healed. That wasn't our motive in the beginning. We had zero motive. We said, God, we just want you to take control and do your thing. And God done some tremendous stuff. 21 days of fasting. But moving forward, in the next couple weeks, and I'll give you a heads up next week sometime, I want to start what we call Fast Fridays. Pastor, you know Fast Fridays, that's right before the weekend. and Man, i got to get into the, the, the restaurant and beat the Fast Fridays. Fast. How many would have some things on your heart and life right now that you'll say, and understand, sometimes the Bible says these come out talking about demon spirits, these come out by prayer and fasting. Sometimes we've got to really dig down deep in our spiritual walk with God and say, God, I'm gonna set aside the plate. I'm gonna set aside the appetite in order to fulfill all that you've got for me. So Fast Fridays are something that we're going to be moving forward to doing at some point. Okay, so just prepare your hearts for it. What you're going to fast, and I'm not going to ask what you're going to fast. You can do a sun up to sun down. You can do it. You know what? I'm going to remove sodas from my from my day. I'm going to remove sugars. Whatever the case, different fast. You want to do a you want to do a Daniel fast where it's just meats and fruits, or fruits and vegetables and and breads. That's fine. Whatever. I just want you to be thinking upon that. Because I want to go deeper with God, but I want us to to renew today, this afternoon now, I want us to renew our commitment to God. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to just lift up our both hands right now. When we lift both hands up toward God, that is simply a sign.